Almighty God, bless the reading and hearing of your word. Let the Holy Spirit descend upon us that we may understand your word for us today. As your scriptures are read, as your word is heard, let the utterances of our mouths and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading today comes from 2 Samuel, chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. One evening, David got up from his couch and was pacing back and forth on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone and inquired about the woman. The report came back. Isn't this Eliam's daughter, Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers to take her. When she came to him, he had sex with her. Now she had been purifying herself after her monthly period. Then she returned home. The woman conceived and sent word to David. I'm pregnant, she said. Then David sent a message to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked about the welfare of Joab and the army and how the battle was going. Then David told Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. However, Uriah slept at the palace entrance with all his master's servants. He did not go down to his own house. David was told Uriah didn't go down to his own house. So David asked Uriah, Haven't you returned from a journey? Why didn't you go home? The chest in Israel and Judah are all living in tents, Uriah told David. And my master Joab and my master's troops are camping in the open field. How could I go home and eat, drink, and have sex with my wife? I swear on your very life, I will not do that. Then David told Uriah, stay here one more day. Tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day. The next day David called for him and he ate and drank and David got him drunk. In the evening Uriah went out to sleep in the same place alongside his master's servants, but he did not go down to his own house. The next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. He wrote in the letter, Place Uriah at the front of the fiercest battle, and then pull back from him, so that he will be struck down and die. So as Joab was attacking the city, he put Uriah in the place where he knew there were strong warriors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lust is another one of those sins that sort of pigeonholed into a very, very narrow scope. And David gives us a good example of what we usually think about lust being. And it's that desire after another person. And sometimes we keep narrowing it down where it goes from that desire for another person into an immoral desire for another person into an immoral desire for another person that is against the rules. And we, we sort of try to narrow it down, and we narrow it down until we have this little field that lust is supposed to fit into. But lust is this big, wide category of things, and it's one of the more dangerous of the sins. And it's because lust has to do, at its core, with desire. The desire that we see with David for Bathsheba is desire. But people can desire other things. And the reason that desire is such a problem 
is because often we don't need much more than our own desire to get us in trouble. If we're greedy, often to get us in trouble, we have to end up taking something. And to take something, we usually need motive, means, and opportunity. Lust, though, preys on our very essence. If we have desires, sometimes all we need to act on them is the will. We see that with David. David already has the power he needs to act on his desires. We often make the mistake of thinking that in lust it takes two to tango. And while it may take two for everything to end up the way it does, in this case, David's the only one that has to have any sort of power and has to take any kind of action. Because David has the power to say, you know what, I'm sending for Bathsheba, bring her to me. There's not much Bathsheba can do to refuse the summons of the king. David's problem starts with his desires. Now the thing is, is that we can't just wipe out desire. I could say, stop having desires right now. And it would be a futile effort. It would also be wrong because desires keep us moving. The desire to be closer to God keeps me going in ministry. The desire to help God's people keeps me going in ministry. The desire to be a good father and a good husband keeps me caring for my family. The desire for justice keeps me advocating for those who don't have a voice. I have a lot of desires that are well-intentioned and end up with good results. So if it's not desire itself, we have to ask what it is about desire that gets us into trouble. And it's that burning desire. When we let those desires get out of hand and we're not honest about our desires with ourselves. See, the thing is, David could have stopped all of this if he had been honest with himself from the get-go. Because the honest thing to say wouldn't be Oh, Bathsheba's beautiful. Maybe I should just have her sent for me. It would be, oh, she's beautiful and I need to do something else. I'm here while everybody else is gone and I'm getting bored and I really need to stop and think about what's going to happen if I think about this any longer. And maybe if David had had a really good jigsaw puzzle, he wouldn't have gotten into so much trouble. The problem is David's not honest with himself. He doesn't stop and say, well, this is what I want to do and here's going to be the consequences to my action. He doesn't go, oh, you know what? If I do this, I could get her pregnant. And if I get her pregnant, I'm going to have to try to trick her husband into thinking that he got her pregnant. And if I can't trick him, then I'm just going to have to kill him. Had David started all of this with this might end with me killing someone. He might have thought long and hard about what he was about to do. But he wasn't honest. And we see this happen all the time. That almost every desire we have can spin out of control when we're not honest about it. Our desire to be a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, a good friend... All of those are well-intentioned things that can spiral out of control. Sometimes we see it with helicopter parents. 
where you want to be such a good parent that you want to protect your kids from everything to the point that you're watching over your kid every time they start to get into something, you snatch them away and they never get into trouble because they never do anything. And suddenly our desire to be a good parent becomes an overbearing control. And our children stop learning about things like if you run down the steps and fall, you're going to scrape a knee, so you shouldn't do it again. And our desire keeps us from actually doing the thing we wanted to do. We see the same thing happen with our desire to be good Christians. And it's hard to think about how a desire to serve God could ever turn into something wrong. And I'm reminded of the people who in their service to God, with such burning desire to do good and make sure that others are saved, go to college campuses and they yell at all the students how they are sinning today and exactly what their sins are and why they should be ashamed. If I give you one bit of advice about ways to make people think that Christians are hypocrites, yelling their sins at them in a public area is probably the best way to do it. Because they see somebody who doesn't recognize their own faults, but just wants to point out the faults in others. And they wonder, how can that ever turn into something good? How could that ever help me if all it wants to do is hurt me? And that desire to serve God burns until it becomes something hurtful. That problem comes up time and time again. Almost every desire we have, unchecked, burns out of control until it hurts someone else or hurts ourselves. Sometimes it hurts our relationship with God because we let our burning desire to be right overcome everything else. That if I want to be right, as I was telling our kids earlier, this cleaning cloth is not a bed sheet. I can make up excuses for how it could be a bed sheet and how I just need a tiny enough bed and a small enough person to go under it, and then I will still be right. But I've got to tell a lie to fix the first lie, to fix the second lie, to fix the third lie, and in the end, I'm being dishonest with myself and dishonest with others just so that I can be right. And sometimes we do the same thing to God. That we want to tell God how to conduct his business because we want to be right about what God does. We want to be right about what God thinks. And so we twist things until God is on our side. Whether we do it honestly or not. Because suddenly, being right is more important than being righteous. And the problem we run into again and again with lust is no matter what we are lusting after, it pushes us further away from God and further away from each other because it causes us to be dishonest. Because we have to be dishonest about what our desires actually are if we're going to let them happen. We have to be dishonest with ourselves about the outcomes if we're going to let our desires run rampant because we have to ignore those things so that we can keep doing them. And sometimes just the thrill of doing it is enough to make us be dishonest about it. Because we get so caught up in the doing. 
that we go, well, you know what, it's got to be okay, or I'll make it better later. I'll make it better later is the thing that we say when we know we're doing something wrong but don't want to admit it. Because anything that you can make better later, you can likely make better now. You just don't want to. Desire is always going to get us in trouble if we let it go unchecked. So how do we stop it? Honesty. We be honest about what our desires are. We be honest when we are struggling. We be honest so that people know what problems we are having so that they can help us. And we are honest so that we can help ourselves. And we are honest so that we can turn to God accepting whatever solution he may have to the problem because if we're not honest about the problem, then we cannot honestly find a solution. If the problem is that I want to be right, then I need to make sure that I pick fights where... I know I'm right. And I need to be willing to admit when I'm wrong so that when I am right, I'm vindicated. If my desire is for my neighbor's wife, then I need to be honest with why I have that desire. And maybe it's not even for my neighbor's wife. Maybe it's because it reminds me of something that I miss in general and I just need to recognize what it is so that I can get past it so I can move on. Maybe it's the desire for power. And maybe it's because I feel powerless. And maybe I just need to recognize why I feel powerless to know why I'm wanting so much power. And sometimes we've got to talk to others about what our desires are. Because maybe our desires have good intentions, but we're not sure how to make sure that we stay on that good side of things. And we're here to help each other. I would rather be honest about things that I'm uncomfortable with than to be comfortable in dishonesty. Because it all comes back to whether or not we are willing to be truthful to others and truthful to ourselves about where lust is going to take us. Lust loses its power in the face of honesty because when we are honest about our consequences, then we can address the problem before it ever gets here. When we are honest about our desires, then we can recognize where they may be taking us and figure out a way to honor them in a good, positive way, without hurting others. Instead of a harmful one that we only think about ourselves and what it is we want in that moment. But if we don't have the honesty, everything else falls away. Because if we cannot address our problems as they are, then we cannot find solutions. If we cannot honestly turn to God and say, God, my problem is, is that I keep thinking about ways I can do this and I need to stop. If we try to hide it and we say, God, I need help because all of these people, they keep tempting me and you need to stop them from tempting me. We're not honest about the fact that the problem is in here and not out there. We can't accept whatever God's answer to our prayers is if we can't be honest in our prayers. We can't accept help 
from our brothers and sisters in Christ if we are not honest about what it is we need help with. We cannot accept a solution to a problem we refuse to acknowledge exists. We can't find an honest answer if we are asking a dishonest question. Lust is that thing that causes us to lie in order to keep doing things we already know are wrong. Lust is that thing that keeps us pushing our desires forward even when we know we should have stopped a long time ago. Lust is that thing that causes us to want justice so bad that we turn to mob rule and we ignore justice to get justice. We ignore righteousness to get false righteousness. We ignore the truth to be able to love the lie. We fight it by always being honest with ourselves, with each other, and with God. Because when we're honest with the people who love us, they will understand that if we are struggling, we would not come to them with a problem unless we really needed help. And if they love us, they will help us, whatever that problem may be. If we are honest with God, God will be able to guide us to the answer we need to be able to help us move on to the next chapter in our lives, to get past that hurdle. If we are honest with ourselves, then we can stop and we can think about what it is we are doing. Don't let lust bury the truth that you cannot find it anymore. Don't let lust make you blind to God. Don't let lust crowd out your judgment that you give up on what is good and you hurt others. But hold fast to the truth. The truth that helps you, the truth that keeps you with God, the truth that keeps you in love with your brothers and sisters. That love that God uses to bind us together to get us through any difficulty. Let the truth guide you. Let the truth set you free. Let the truth unshackle you that you may never be hindered by a burning desire that you cannot control. Because together, together God will make all things possible. But only, only when we seek Him honestly, truthfully, and lovingly. Amen.